Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I'm Mecca Don here with my co-host, V. Today is a special, special edition episode. An episode that relates to the NFL because it is NFL Draft Week. And we are so fortunate to have a great guest for this episode, Jason Lockhamfora, CBS NFL reporter and NFL insider. He is going to drop some dimes on us about the NFL Draft, free agency issues, and also what the coronavirus could do to this upcoming season. Let's get right to it. Where the pilot boys at? You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast, special NFL edition. We are grateful to be joined by NFL reporter for CBS Sports and NFL insider, Jason Lockenfora. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm okay. Hope you guys are well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, man. We're going to jump right into this, man. You know, the interesting thing now with with the NFL is that, you know, there's we're all yearning for sports, right? And there's not a lot happening in pretty much yeah. around the world as, as sports are concerned. But as it pertains to the NFL, it seems like they're just you know, trucking along business as usual. It seems like there's a lot of different things happening. So there are a couple of things we wanted to ask you about. Um, first is, what are you hearing as far as what the possible plans are for the season and different potential contingencies, given that it's April, you know, the draft is right around the corner and, and you know, OTAs are supposed, supposed to be coming up and camp is supposed to be coming up. What is the NFL planning on doing at this point? Yeah, I don't think anybody um... – sort of involved in football has expected there to be anything close to a normal off season for quite some time. Um, There's not going to be OTAs. Um, I doubt there's mini camp and, and there's an expectation that, um, you know, uh, hopefully things start and maybe it's on time and maybe it's uh, a little off schedule. Maybe it's a lot off schedule. Um, Maybe it includes a normal sort of training camp maybe even a little longer because some people think that would be ideal given all the time missed in the, in the spring, but it actually may be shorter because, um, you know, where they're going to make their money and, and, and derive their revenue is playing games that, that matter in the standings. And so if you have to sacrifice more prep time in order to, to, to still play 16 or as close to 16 as possible, then I think that's what, you know, that, that's what will, uh, carry the day. I mean, the idea will be, you know, what they'll say publicly is fans aren't, they're not tuning in to, uh, you know, scrimmages. They're not tuning in to uh, practices. And the only way the fans are going to be able to see the product is, you know, these games that'll be played in empty stadiums. Um, That's where the the television comes in. That's where the, uh, you know, that's where the inventory comes in. So, They'll protect that as much as they can, but that very well could be out of their hands as well. Um, you know, yeah. the idea that they put out there a few weeks ago, you know, a schedule on May 9th, eh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's going to make sense for them to put out some of the contingencies they have, knowing that this might not be accurate at all because right. we might be playing 14 or 12 or 10. Right. And, and are they really – 
are they legitimately considered playing the season without fans? Is that something that's legitimate or is that absolutely okay? Yeah, no, that's that's if they can play a season and um, play these games and do it in a you know a thoughtful manner or as thoughtful as you can and do it um, with these players in some sort of a bubble and not just players but football staff and mm-hmm. bus drivers and you know people who would be involved in preparing meals and I mean if, if these teams are living in hotels well who's who's providing the infrastructure at the hotel right. you know is that, right. that is that team employees is that people who would normally work for the hotel who now agree yeah, I'll go live in that bubble for, you know, five months also, and I won't leave the hotel, and I'll be quarantined there, and we'll, you know, do all the laundry, and we'll uh, cook the meals, and we'll keep the place clean. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that it, it it's going to be way more difficult than the average person thinks it is, um, but but certainly they'll explore that with with, with vigor. If, if, if the choice is don't play at all or play in empty stadiums. I think that's for them a no brainer. Don't, don't, don't play in empty stadiums. I agree. And I think another thing that isn't being factored in is even without fans, I think you hit the nail on the head. It takes people to execute a game and hundreds of people, right? Just when you add the players and then you add the the facilities managers, the officials, um, it seems like a very, very difficult challenge when they, you know, the, it is going to be a large gathering, Regardless of whether fans, it may not be a hundred thousand, but it will still be a large gathering to execute a game in an empty stadium. Oh, I mean, just think about those sidelines, how packed yeah. they look, and, and how are you going to do that? Okay, baseball, I get it. Baseball is um, it ebbs and flows, right? There's these all these natural stops. You guys taking their time in the batting in the in the batter's box and taking their time in the um, in the in the uh, you know on deck circle football is constant substitutions. It's fluid. It's different packages. It's guys running in, running out guys sitting next to each other, studying the, the printouts and the tablets of what's going on in the game. You know, it's guys in the tent being looked at constantly. There's constant medical churn. I don't know how you're doing that with social distancing. You know, and it, well, and it, mentioned the on, on field actually like baseball, for example, the space, you know, the, the, a uh, short shortstop is far right. from the right fielder, you know. But uh, uh, you're lining up the football. You guys are right up the line. No, it's collisions. Line it's yeah. it's constant collisions. It's you know ten collisions per play. Yeah. You know, uh, eighty plays per game. Uh, baseball, you might have a center fielder run into a right fielder chasing a ball in the gap. You might have a bang bang play at second base a couple times a game. Um, but yeah, it's it's much more of a spaced out game. And, and if the rules and regulations and, and, it, and obviously it all varies by state right now, unfortunately mm-hmm. there's no national protocols, but right. and even that, how, 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 how will they Travel. account for that? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, like if someone from trap, if for example, a team in, in California is playing a team in Ohio and they have different kind of regulations going on at the time or yeah. distancing measures or whatever, plus travel, you know, but I do think something that you maybe have hinted to but haven't necessarily said is that there's so much money involved. That oh, yeah. It's worth trying to figure out a way to get this thing done, and they're going to try to figure out a way to get They will done. explore every avenue um, yeah. within reason and maybe some that don't seem all that reasonable. But ultimately, you're going to have to have 
doctors, you're going to have to have governors, you're going to have to have lawyers, and you're going to have to have insurance companies, liability, who, who all say, yeah, and, and then you're going to have to have the buy-in from the PA, you know, and, and the players themselves all saying, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, this is worth a shot. And that's, that is, I think, exceedingly more difficult than the average fan is thinking about, or even some of these, you know, even when Dr. Fauci comes out and he says, you know, I, I think that this is possible. I don't think Dr. Fauci has any idea whatsoever the number of people required to put on an NFL game um, and how big the bubble would have to be. I mean, it's little stupid things. A lot of teams stay in Kentucky when they play the Bengals. Yeah. What if the rules? What if the rules in Ohio and Kentucky are completely different? I mean, I, I, it's impossible to predict because it's all so fluid. And to get all that stuff aligned, how many how many TV people you think it requires to put on a football game? Yep, in the truck, right yeah. on the sidelines, in the stadium, um, in the press box. It's not just you know Tony Romo and Jim Nance and a T and you know a one right. camera. <laughs> Not even close. How are those people sequestered? How 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 are we figuring out that component of it? Um, yeah, it, so it think- would be a massive undertaking. It's a lot different than baseball, where all these yeah. teams already have all these headquarters in two states, and you right. could kind of okay, like even that's probably a bit of a stretch, but I can see some of that working in a limited manner a lot more than I can see the NFL figuring out how to do this thing with 32 teams spread out. And I mean, I don't, we're going to play five games a day at the, you know, on a Sunday, you're going to play five games at uh, whatever, whatever, whatever neutral site we pick Indianapolis is they do the combine there. Like, what are you going to do? You know, play five games on a Saturday and five games on a Sunday. And you've got, 15 teams in the Indianapolis area. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. Not to mention the yeah. wear and tear on the, these fields playing five games a day. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just don't know. I mean, California's made it pretty clear. It ain't happening there anytime soon. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, local... so the, the interesting thing though, is that like, you know, what I respect about the NFL, just to transition a little bit, is that they're still kind of, allowing business to happen, right? The business that can happen safely, that can happen safely. Like, for example, the draft is happening this week, and they're doing it digitally, essentially. You know, are there, what issues do you kind of see with that? Because I'm hearing that, you know, people are worried about hackers, and all that different type of stuff. Is there any issues, do you you see any issues with that, or do you feel like it'll be, oh? Look, football, football coaches and general managers are among the most paranoid people on the planet. So yeah, they're, 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 they're focused on the chicken little sky is falling. What could go wrong? Um, sure. That's how they're wired. Yeah. Uh, the reality is, I mean, we had Troy Vincent on my radio show. I don't know about a week ago. He's like, there's going to be contingency after contingency after contingency. There's going to be, you know, fail safe after fail safe after fail safe. You know, like we are not talking publicly about a whole lot of it yet. Cause we've got a lot of work to do. But when we get a little closer to the draft, the teams will know and everybody will know that these, there's going to have so many protocols for things to be safe. Now, will there be a staff or two? I mean, there might. Yeah. There absolutely might. But um, who hasn't been affected by this? I mean, right. who, who works normally 
through this pandemic? What, what yeah. industry hasn't had to adjust to do, you know, more with less to, to work from home, to figure out how to strike this, um, exceedingly difficult balance between figuring out all the things going on in my life and figuring out all the things going on in my coworkers life. If you're in a position of management and then still doing our jobs right. and a, a lot's being asked of a lot of people. So I, I think, you know, these GMs and college scouting directors, they're big boys. They, they should be able to figure it out too. Well, speaking of that real quick too, be, before we get into more substantive questions about the actual draft, you know, we've been also hearing, you know, there's some executives that have come out and said that the mock drafts that they're seeing generally this year haven't been more, are, are the worst mock drafts that they've seen. And particularly because there isn't kind of, you know, there wasn't the opportunity for people to do the general types of evaluation that they're used to doing. And so we're going to see a lot of different surprises and movement and different things. Uh, what are your thoughts kind of on that? I think it could be absolutely true. I've had more difficult time gathering information and gathering trustworthy information because a lot of that comes when these these people from different teams bump up against each other. And they're all standing around at these pro days with more time on their hands than they need, and they start gossiping. And they start telling a little bit that they probably shouldn't. And, well, what's, what's this guy like on your board? And some of the group think comes in. And some of the cover-your-ass stuff comes in, and you start figuring out, yeah, yeah, my GM, you know, our, our our coaches are really into this guy, but the GM's scared of the medical, and you know, this guy's this guy's got a chance to trade for this player, but we don't think he's going to do it because, you know, he's risk averse. Or you just you start, they talk, they can't help themselves, and they also have more time on their hands to start talking to the agents. And right. there's been less of that because there's been so much figuring out how do we communicate amongst ourselves, who's going to be in this Zoom and who is it. Who, you know, who can we get at this time to talk to us about this? What times are our doctors available? It's not the normal course of business. And you don't have, you're not running these kids in and out of your building and then talking to the owner afterwards. And then the, you know, the GM calls the, the agent. Yeah, you know what, man? You know, we had a few questions, but now my owner's gushing about them. Now my owner's asking about them every couple hours. You know, now I could see us, you know, finagling this board a little bit because <laughs> of these other factors. That's not happening now. You're only learning so much on a FaceTime conversation. So it, it's been a very different process in that regard. And, and I think it probably will lead to um, having a much more difficult time pegging this. Not that it's ever easy. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, obviously the guys, the combine happened and those players were seen, but it seems like from a player side, this is going to impact those guys we see every year through the pro day process and through the interview yep. process that become rapid risers and help themselves out in the draft. I don't know if we'll see that as much. A name in particular, a quarterback name that's kind of all over the place is Bryce Love. Like outside of those, the big three quarterbacks, people aren't sure how to peg a guy like that, right, um, in, in this draft, even though I think he was at the combine not having a pro day. Are there other names or players um, that you think are, are, are being impacted by this? Oh, it's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, think about how many players decided not to run at the combine because they'd rather run on their surface, you know, a little bit later at their school, at their pro days. I mean, go look at the edge, the, the group of edge rushers in between the medicals or between the did not participate at combine waiting for pro day. And then pro day never happened. It, 
their their scouts I've said who I've talked to said I've never had fewer I've never had less information when it comes to that stuff. I've never had less um like ironclad information, not just the forty times, but the first ten, which is what a what a lot of smart scouts look at when they're talking about guys coming off the edge. I don't I, I'm more interested in that first that that first 10 yards. Well, yeah, you know, he didn't do that at the combine and he was going to do it at his pro day. And we've got, uh, you know, a video of him doing it in his backyard, but man, I don't know. I mean, it, there's a lot of that going on. It, it's, it's really too many players to even. Yeah. Count. Yeah. You said Bryce Love, I think you meant Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Yeah. Jordan Love. Jordan yeah. Love. Um, okay. And specifically as far as like this draft, right. You know, we, you know, we obviously know Joe Burrow is highly thought of, you know, you know, this is one question D and I were talking about. Are, are they going to mess this thing up? Is Cincinnati going to mess this up? Or are they going to take take him? And if they and if they do, what is what do you think their plan is for Andy Dalton if that happens? Oh, they're going to take him, and they're going to have to cut Andy Dalton. I mean, there's if, if there's no work out there for Cam Newton right now, you know, and he had to be just flat out cut. And I get it; there's medical stuff involved, but please, um, you know, if there's nobody calling on Jameis Winston, Mike Brown is not going to have a seventeen million dollar backup quarterback. You know that's that's <clears throat> it's not in the cards. So I, I don't I don't know how they derive any trade value there right now. I, there isn't any. Um, I think they they blew that a couple of times. They blew it by benching him after they got back from London, right at the deadline, when you know half the team's brass is skiing in Switzerland, and teams are like, well, wait a minute, is this guy available? If you just benched him. Um, right before the deadline, and, and basically, they killed any you know any chance to to do a trade if they just benched him before they went to that game in London and said he's available. I think they would have got something for him. And then you know the the conversations with Chicago, like you need to just make that happen. You need to look at the landscape here, where it's about to be flooded with Cam and Jameis. And you know, look, I, if Philip Rivers doesn't get that deal from Indianapolis, I don't know where he's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think Indianapolis could have said one year fifteen, buddy, take it or leave it, and and they would have read the market correctly. I think they overpaid that guy. I mean, you start looking at at how all this went down, how many options there are, plus for the Bengals to be a team um, that's taking one at, at first overall. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You you could try to wait until August, September, whenever we start training camps and see if somebody gets hurt, but. I think, you know, and that doesn't really matter. I think Dalton deserves better than that, too. So I, I think they'll be in the same position the Panthers were in. And every year there seems to be around this time a lot of trade rumors about teams that are potentially looking to trade up. Um, are you hearing anything specifically? I know that the Redskins have been involved in trade rumors, um, the Browns. Are there any 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 teams in particular that are dead set on moving up for like a QB prospect or well, I don't know about dead set on moving up. There's a lot who are very open to moving down. I just think it, it always comes down to finding, you know, finding that partner, finding that match. I mean, Atlanta, I, I have heard, does is is very seriously, you know, considering and and, and sort of laying the, the groundwork and finding out the cost for moving up, um, probably specifically for a corner. I mean, there is the possibility that the Dolphins or the Chargers. You know, maybe the Patriots, um, and and maybe even the Saints. I don't know. Could move up a little bit for a quarterback, depending on how the board starts to fall. Um, 
you know, I know that there's teams like the Browns at 10 saying, okay, we, 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 if it's more defensive players than offense, if there's more D linemen and, and Simmons, whatever you consider him, safety linebacker, whatever, and the CUDA comes off the board in the top 10, plus three quarterbacks, plus, you know, Brown, Akuda, Simmons, and we're set on a left tackle. We're sitting here at 10. We might, we might be able to get the same guy, you know, around 15 if there's this run on wide receivers about to happen, um, you know, between Lamb and Judy uh, and Ruggs and Jefferson. We can step out of that, let somebody move to the head of the class to get that receiver they covet because you've got the Raiders and the like the Raiders and the Jets and the Broncos and the 49ers all clustered there. Several of them are going to go receiver. And we dropped from 10 to 15 and, and still get Thomas, you know, yep. or, or maybe it's Becton. I think it just depends on what do the Giants do? You know, do the Giants go with Werfs or do they go with Simmons? And if they go with Werfs and if the, the Cardinals, do they go with Brown if he's still there or Akuda if he's still there? Or do they just say, we got to get offensive line too? You know what I mean? And then they take Wills or something like that. Now, under that scenario, the Browns aren't. But I've heard the Browns are letting it be known to teams that, hey, um, we could be a hot spot for you if this board falls a certain way and we can still meet our needs and you can meet yours. I, I think trades will be a little more difficult than ever before because of some of the logistical stuff because guys are not going to be in their comfort zones in terms of even being able to communicate with their own people. Um, I think GMs who are very close to other GMs, and it makes sense, and there's a trust there, and they can just send a quick text. Um, yeah, that could still be consummated. But if it's the third parties making all the exploratory calls, and, hey, I think this guy who's making the calls for the other teams, you know, for the other team we're talking to, also thinks this might make sense for his guy, but he's still got to double-check with the GM, and they have a medical that they still need to check on. Like, I don't know there's going to be time for all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you actually mentioned earlier too uh, when we were talking about um, the Bengals and Dalton. You mentioned Cam and Jameis. That's something I definitely wanted to ask about too. Is why? why where is Cam going to end up? I mean, where are the? What is the I don't know. Possibility and, and why? He doesn't know. Time? Yeah. Is it? Is it? Is this? You know, reputational? Is it medical? Is it everything? Is it just the market? Is it everything combined in one? What do you think are the dominating reasons why? I, I just think it's the most bizarre quarterback market we've ever seen where supply doesn't equal demand. And then it's a guy who hasn't really been on the field for two years. Yeah. So there's <clears throat> there's that concern, and nobody can fly anywhere, and nobody can work him out, and nobody, nobody can get their medical people on him. Plus, not only was – this the most unusual QB offseason ever, but there's going to be another four who are taken in the first round. So there's just so many options out there. Um, saying all that, I, I still think it's it, if I'm the look, any deal is contingent on them passing a physical. Why the Chargers or the Patriots, um, maybe even the Dolphins. I, I think even the Bengals. Jacksonville's a, a team that keeps coming up. Wouldn't sign them for a year. You know, does, are you winning next year? No, you're not going to have any kind of normal off season. You're not going to be able to get Burrow in your building the way you normally would. You're not going to be able to incubate him. You're not going to have installation periods. You're not going to have walkthroughs. You're not going to have him on your board every day working with the coaches. You're not going to have him on the backfield seeing what he likes and what he doesn't like. You're going to have none of that. Why having a veteran start the season 
with, and then if Cam plays well, you could always franchise him to trade him. You could just let him leave for that comp pick. There's value to be gained there. Um, they're not going to do it, and they don't think that way. And the other team is, I think, Baltimore. I mean, they're sitting on like $12 million in cap space. There's nothing out there in free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if they had to play four or six games with RG3, it would not be pretty. Um, right. it, it just wouldn't. Um, I think they're at a point now in Super Bowl or bust mode where they need to have an elite backup. You can, you can't, you're going to tell me Greg Roman couldn't find ways to get Lamar and Cam and Hollywood Brown and even Justice Hill, who's a speed back, and whatever receiver they take in the second round, and Andrews all on the field together. Right. Damn right he could. And, and you, think, you know, that. You think, is Jameis' market kind of the same? Do you view it the same way? Or is it just James? People I mean, are I, scared of Jameis. I don't. I mean, that's another one where I think they're too scared. I think they're overreacting. I mean, I, I think Jameis is, is absolutely a starting quarterback, but he may have to you know, wait it out and go to Pittsburgh or, or I think Flacco's going to end up in Philadelphia, but, you know, go somewhere, um, as, as a backup and, and kind of earn it, or he may just sit it out, you know, going somewhere for 5 million, not to play unless somebody gets hurt, just might not, might not make sense for him. Um, there's always a risk that he does play a couple of snaps and he gets hurt for 3 million. And now he's making even less the following year. I mean, there is certainly a sense that next year it can't be anything like this. Next year, the quarterback market, there's no way it could be this saturated. There's no way it could be this bizarre again. And, and so sitting out a while and, and resetting yourself um, in 2021, I mean, even who knows, what, you know, maybe the pandemic situation is a little different than too. You know, that, that, that could make sense for somebody. It seems to be impacting the defensive end position as well. Guys like Everson Griffin and, and the big name Jadavian Clowney not being signed. Obviously, Jadavian has some some medical issues. What do you think that that's kind of the same, the same reasoning why those guys haven't been signed? I mean, I think Jadavion Clowney um, is a guy who after the way things have gone the last few years, they needed to be really realistic about their market and they needed to set his expectations differently. And they needed to tell him it might be another, if your price point is 18 to 20, it might be another one year deal. Yep. We're not going to get those kind of guarantees through year two into year three. We don't think it's, it's going to be out there. Um, they did they, they mismanaged the situation and then this, this pandemic happens and the owners are having the exact, all the stuff we talked about at the start of this interview is the same stuff they're asking the league office all, all the time. And well, if we keep signing these guys and we don't play regularly and we only play 10 games or eight games, are we going to be able to prorate their salary or what if we don't play at all? Or are they going to give the money back? So to, for GM to say, Hey, this guy's still out here and he quote unquote only wants 17 now, or he only wants 16. It's still real money, and yeah. and you know how these guys are. Remember, go back to 2011 and the lockout. They stopped paying everybody. Mm-hmm. They shut the thing down. They they took away pensions from coaches. They changed their their benefit structures, and they 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 sat on the ball for five or six months. Didn't do anything. Um, that I, I I could very much, and I wrote about this a while back. That I was talking to people saying, hey. There's not going to be a second wave of free agency if this thing is as bad as it looks like it might be, because these owners are not going to—they're not going to give the spend. They're not—they're not going to open the checkbooks, especially for big-ticket items. They made their budget. That was right. the budget. He didn't fit in it. We already went out and got Jason Pierre-Paul. We already went out and got Dante Fowler. You know I mean? We already went out and got Vic Beasley. Now nah, we're good. Yeah. Right. A, qu- a question that I've been been wanting to ask you um, 
is about what the hell is going on in Houston with Bill O'Brien. Obviously, the DeAndre Hopkins seems to be the cherry, but this this has started last year. They haven't had a GM in place. It seems like he's the king of that of that yep. of that kingdom, and they're letting him do whatever he wants. Um, starting with the Jadavion Clowney trade, the left tackle trade that they made, and now DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. What exactly is happening out there? Personal, it's not business, and you can't have a, can't have your your GM meddling in the locker room. And when the GM is the coach, and they're both meddling in things they shouldn't be meddling in, and worried about things they shouldn't be worried about, then you got a problem. Your coach doesn't need to worry about DeAndre Hopkins' salary this year, next year, or three years from now. He doesn't need to talk about stuff like that. He shouldn't be involved in stuff like that. He doesn't need to be the point man. When the the agent says, "Hey, you know this this doesn't look right for us," like there needs to be separation of church and state. I got news for you, Julio's brought up that stuff several times, and it's got taken care of because the money people and the management people handle it, and the coach coaches. And unless you're Bill Belichick, and you have Bill Belichick's resume, and nobody has anything close to that, you better pick one side of this equation and do it as best as you can. Um, there's questions to be said about even the coaching side of it. Why is why do they have a new play caller every six months? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's him, sometimes it's somebody else. Why have so many players sort of been disgruntled? Why have they had so much change in the front office under this one coach, going all the way back to, you know, him trying to run Rick Smith out of there? I, I, I mean, he's won, but they've lost, right. and that that's not a good climate right now at all. And the comments that he's making about Hopkins. Again, if you're Belichick and you've worn both hats forever and you got a bunch of rings, then go ahead and talk that way. Um, but otherwise, you, that, that, that's not, that shouldn't be his war. You know, His yeah. war should be what makes us best right now. What makes yeah. us best right now is DeAndre Hopkins while we're trying to win this quarterback over and get him to sign something long-term. It's not um, you know, a, a, a second-round pick and uh, taking on one of the worst contracts in football and David Johnson. I mean, it's... Uh, Maybe the worst trade in NFL history. That works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, you get back a pick that's like fourteen picks higher than what Baltimore got for Hayden Hurst for the best wide receiver in football, arguably, and the best player on your football team, arguably, and you also take on, you know, an eleven million dollar horrible running back contract in the process, um, and then a few weeks later, you take on a Brandon Cooks contract that most people in the league felt like was just as toxic as David Johnson's. I mean, that's, that takes some doing. Why do you think he has so much, so much influence and is he on the hot? The owner doesn't know any better. I mean, Cal McNair took the team over a few years ago. O'Brien had become close to him. O'Brien had earned his trust. O'Brien had let him sort of know where the problems were in the organization. And they certainly weren't Bill O'Brien. Um, and this guy doesn't know any different. And I don't, I don't, you know, he doesn't have, his dad ran everything. He doesn't have the day-to-day institutional experience it takes to run a business of this magnitude, and there aren't proper checks and balances. And there's been leadership voids, and O'Brien has tried to fill them, but he's tried to fill them sort of under his dictatorial terms. And uh, they don't have draft capital. Their cap is going to be blown up for years to come because they haven't paid the quarterback or the left tackle yet. Uh, I think it's a declining roster. They're getting old in the in the tooth and some key spots. Um, and the next group that comes in there, whenever that is, it's going to take, it's going to take a long time to dig out of that thing. Uh, one last question before we get you out of here. Uh, we're Browns fans. You know that. And so give us something positive to look forward to your t- a positive take on this upcoming season. If it happens for the Browns. 
I mean, offensively, it should be fun. It's 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 not uh, ideal with Stefanski not being able to implement this offense like he normally would. And, and um, look, you make you give constant churn, it's going to bite you in the butt, and that's happening to them now. But that happens to them all the time. Um, you know, I would have to think that this would temper, you know, Jimmy Haslam's trigger finger. That like, hey, we made this decision. We brought these guys in. They've never done it before. They have no kind of normal off season. You know, Stefanski, the first time he meets the team will probably be the first day of training camp. Um, all that sort of time to get the buy-in and, and, you know, April and May and hanging around the building at OTAs and eating lunch with guys and dudes walking into your office, that's not – doesn't exist. Right. So, I, I, you, 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 no matter what happens in 2021, you're going to have to stick with this thing, with, with, you know, and be somewhat resolute about it to give these guys some sense of normalcy, you know, hopefully as soon as next year. To, to, to implement some stuff. But I think they do have the personnel that fits what they're trying to do. They just don't have the, the time right now to, to put it all together. I think the offense, if you plug in a, a legit left tackle, the offense looks um, like it should be a handful. Um, mm-hmm. But defensively, I, I think they need to keep addressing the spine of that defense. I, I mean, I know they made some moves at safety, but ugh. You know, eh, it's kind of like filling out a just. It's so yeah, that you it's... Could put somebody on a depth chart. I don't think it's who you want to go play sixteen games with. Um, the linebacker position. I mean, I go back to the spine. Who's going to be the central nervous system of that linebacking core? You've lost a lot of leadership, a lot of knowledge, a lot of um, institutional memory, the ability to get guys lined up, all that stuff. Not that the defense was by any means great with Schobert or Kirksey, but they're quality NFL players when they're healthy. Um, and then even, you know, D-tackle. Sheldon Richardson, I mean, is this a year where he plays really hard all the time or isn't it? You know what I mean? And is which, which, what are you getting there? Um, he's still kind of a mercenary year to year. You know, that's another area that I think D-tackle they probably need to address in the draft as well. Um, so we'll see. I, I mean, you look, at, you look at their talent and you look at an expanding playoff field and you say, it's, hey, if everything comes together, it's not out of the question. But then you also say, well, when does everything come all together in Cleveland? I don't know. I missed one <laughs> one question, um, which is, what's going to happen with Dak? Are they, is he going to be there long term, or are the Cowboys kind of like going to uh, take the Kirk Cousins fine now, man. approach? Well, I think it'd be more him than the Cowboys. The Cowboys would be scared crapless of the Kirk Cousins approach. But if I'm the agents, I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. I mean, it's July 14th. All right, is there, are you putting something in front of me? Where they uh, where it's a long term deal and the average annual value starts with a four, because if it doesn't, I'll take you thirty this year. You know, I, I'll take uh, you can franchise me a second time, and then even with, if the cap is booming and we're back to normalcy, go for it. Try to tag me three times in a row. Go go see what that number will be like. Right. Um, he's young enough. I would play it out exactly that way. I would be I, I would be calling Mike McCarthy trying to figure out exactly what his playbook was with cousins because because that's it's a big money owner you got all these revenue streams um you're the marketing genius you had your chance to buy low that's out now you know uh-uh we, we, we're 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 the quarterback of america's team all right well here's our number take it or leave it otherwise we'll play out two franchise years and then we'll hit the open market and guess what when we hit the open market philip rivers and Jameis winston and cam newton and tom brady and teddy bridgewater and, you know, whoever the hell else was out there this year, Drew Brees, it's not going to be like that. There's going to be way fewer options. We'll be all right. 
Right, right, absolutely. Jason, thank you so much. I know you're busy, man. I know this is an extremely busy week, so we're grateful that you were able to join us on the Pilot Boys podcast. Take care, be safe out there, and uh, be safe, uh, prayers up for you and your family. You hey, likewise, same to you guys. Uh, appreciate you, and uh, we'll definitely do it again. Good luck this thanks, week. Man. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one, man. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Love the Pilot Boys podcast? Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as $1, and we have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys podcast. Show us some love today. Also want to give a major shout out to Premier Podcast for helping us set up our home studio during this quarantine period. You guys got to check them out, man. Go to their website, premierpodcast.com. They're helping out during this shutdown with free 30-minute coaching sessions to help anyone get their podcast started. And also follow them on social media at Premier Podcast. That's all we have for today's show. Big thanks to our guest, Jason Lockenfora. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And follow the hosts on Twitter. I am at Mechadon Music and V is at The Swan. And also don't forget to grab some Pilot Boys wristbands at shop.pilotboys.com. Always remember, be you, you is fly. Pilot Boys out! Pilot Boys, we get on up!